everybody. Welcome to another episode of Doing Mr. Rogers. This is the show where we talk about adult topics that all of us can relate to, like relationships or worry, awareness, or even just being happier. All inspired by a very insightful and surprisingly thought-provoking kids show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. We have your hosts here, Megan and myself, Kim. We have each watched an episode we will use for discussion. And this week, those episodes, excuse me, are yet another one in a series of Making Mistakes from 1987. And Mr. Rogers talks about divorce, part one of how many? God knows. <laughs> from 1981. You can find a link to these episodes on our site, as always, at doingmrrogers.com. Megan, hey. would you like to start today? How are you and how was your episode? I'm good, but I'm all riled up, Kim. I gotta warn you. <laughs> you you must be. You're using the southern accent. Oh, am I? <laughs> I mean, it's either the Chicago, Chicago, or now I'm turning southern. So it's yeah, it's a hot mess of a of a. <laughs> all right. Well, here's the thing. I, you know, when we choose these, we kind of randomly pick them and we let the universe decide, right, readers or listeners? So, like, there's no strategic pointing of we should do this this week. We just kind of, like, roll it and end up on an episode and just commit to it. So I got the freaking divorce one. And, I mean, I had to get a Sprite and sit on my porch swing for a minute before we had this conversation <laughs> Now that's real Southern, but I, I had to take a few breaths cause to get right in the right headspace Cause it, he kind of annoyed me and maybe it's because of my Ooh. history with divorce. I haven't been divorced, but my parents, um, pretty much like everyone in this world now. Um, but I didn't love the way he talked to kids about it. So let me start, let me start by talking about the episode real quick. So, uh, Mr. McFeely comes over, who's like the speedy delivery mailman guy. Um, and Mr. Rogers is playing the piano and he goes, oh, hey, you know, that song they played at my wedding. And so he talks about what his wedding was like. And then they show a video of what weddings are like. So kids know who's the flower girl and the, you know, ring bearer and all that kind of traditional stuff. So for about 10 minutes, they kind of show Mr. McFeely's fake wedding from 45 years ago. And, um, and then afterwards, it cuts back to them. And he goes, wow, 45 years, Mr. McFeely, have you always been happy together with your wife? And McFeely says, well, no one's happy all the time, but we've had a lot of happiness. And then Mr. Rogers says, well, sometimes people get married. And after a while, they're so unhappy, they end up getting a divorce. And then Mr. McFeely gets all upset and says, well, that's very sad. I have to go. And he like runs out the door. So at this point, Mr. Rogers turns to the camera and talks to the kids and says, well, as soon as we started talking about divorce, that dude just ran out the door. I guess that's something he doesn't like to talk about. Um, so he he takes a pause again and lets that sink in. You know, as you know, he talks really kind of calmly to the children Um and then he kind of looks again at the camera and says, do you know any grownups that got married and later got divorced? And he said, well, it is something some it is something people can and should talk about. There's no reason to run away. It's important to talk about it and your feelings. And then he talks about knowing a little boy and girl whose parents just got a divorce and they cried and cried and cried. And he says, you know why they cried? Well, one reason was they thought it was their fault. 
but of course it wasn't their fault. And then he says things like weddings and having babies and buying houses and cars and getting divorces are all grown-up things, not kid things. This is the thing. This is what irks me. This is what annoyed me because I believe, you know, to a kid, babies and houses and divorces are kids' things too because kids are involved. They get a sister or brother when another baby is born. They have to, if they, their parents decide to buy a house somewhere, they have to move to another house, maybe go to another school. That's like their entire life changed. Um, if a divorce happens, they have to go through it too. I get that he's saying adult things are not their responsibility or fault, but I don't like just writing it off as it's adult things. Now, he didn't fully do that. He kind of acknowledged, you know, you, know, you can have feelings and you should talk about it. But I do think a lot of people write it off as like, just tell kids it's not their fault. It's adult decisions. And then, you know, liquidly spit, you're good and you didn't mess up the kid. But Kids are involved. They see everything. No matter how old they are, they see everything. All the fights, all the passive aggressiveness, all the ugliness. Saying it's not their problem is super annoying because they're totally caught up in it. And they have ideas and thoughts behind just thinking, well, well, it's my fault. I mean, I think it's, it really simplifies like a kid's mind to say like, the number one thing they're worried about is that it's their fault. So saying those things for me is kind of like grown-ups gaslighting kids and it invalidates their really very real and sometimes very mature feelings and thoughts about it all. And I mean, maybe I'm so irked because I remember when people talked about my mom and dad fighting, which was all the time since I was, could, I don't know, can remember. And everyone's like, it's, it, it's not your problem, it's theirs. And I remember feeling like, what the hell? It is totally my problem. I got to live with this. And I, it felt demeaning and condescending to just be like, oh, it's adults problems. Like none of your business. So it just kind of bothered me. And I also want to say that, in fact, I think in my, in my experience as a kid, um, and I've also seen other kids, kids sometimes want their parents to get divorced. I will go like as far as even saying sometimes they know better than their parents that they should get divorced and the parents don't want to because they're worried about damaging the kids psychologically. But the kids can see it way clearer than the parents because they're not caught up in the like emotion. Well, they're caught up in the emotions, but they're not the like the romantic partner. So sometimes the kids have a better head on their shoulders than the, even the adults in the situation. And the parents are just so hung up on I don't know, maybe their religion or their family or their neighbors saying divorce is bad or they want to, quote unquote, protect the kids from divorce, which is what you often hear is they want to stay together for the kids. But they are they don't see that they're doing way more damage staying together. And that messes kids up more. I'll stop <laughs> for now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... It's it's interesting and it's interesting. I guess I I I heard it a little bit differently from the way he was approaching it. And then just as you were talking about it, one thing for my, myself, and I'm I'm like you. I have parents that got divorced, and I also was like you, where I actually wanted them to get divorced. I knew. I remember um, I have an adopted brother um, who we adopted from Korea when I was eleven, and he was seven. And I remember when my mom told me that we were going to adopt a son. And I remember sitting there, age 11, I said, why are we doing this? 
um, you and dad don't even like each other. I said, me and dad are fighting all the time and you and Tammy are fighting all the time. I said, so why would you do this? Like this does like, seems like bringing chaos into chaos. No, um, that's a real that's what i'm saying you're an intelligent kid well well maybe so i will say this though i went i will say what i also didn't know is 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 the diff- one of the difference between kids and adults i think is it's kids simplify things we talked about this in another episode about really that's being a benefit of children and why some of us as older adults can still learn from the young because their thinking hasn't been distorted by experience right and in a good way and experience brings wisdom because you know more but what it also does is it bring levels levels of fear and more things to worry about and a much more complex decision to make and sometimes simplicity or not having all of that can actually make things easier can make it more clear Um, i'm not saying one or the other i'm just saying there's benefits to both um and i think that's what i'm saying here too is why i may have the i have had the clarity as a child what I didn't see is how it affected my brother, how it affected my sister, which was very different than me. My sister is a different person than I am, and divorce to her meant something very different than what it meant to me. And she didn't, she chose not to see some of the things that were happening in my parents' lives. Um, and so, and, and then, you know, my dad got remarried and kind of, you know, went with another family. Um, and, and my little brother then was sort of left on his own then without um, a very active father figure in his life. That's not to say even when they live at home, they're active or they're not. Any parent can be whatever. But what I'm getting at is I do think it's different for every kid. Um, and I think you and I have some similarities, which make it, as you're saying, I, I, I agree with a lot of that. But I have come to feel that there's differences between kids and what's and what's different with them. And then also I've come to be a little bit more, I think, sympathetic to the parents of, and, and that's the thing too, I'm not a mother. Um, I have a dog who I love to death, um, but she's not a child. It's a different thing. Um, and how difficult it must be to, to feel like you're taking a chance on potentially ruining your kid's life further or making it harder. That's got to be a tough decision. And yes, of course, there, you need to admit that part of that is your own feelings of fear of change and fear of being alone or having made your own mistakes or whatever. And that's totally natural too. And no one should feel bad about that. Um, but I think it's helpful to acknowledge it. So um, I don't know. I, I see it just more as a much more complex situation Whereas I know I'm going off a tangent here. I'm almost going to shut up here in a second. But where one, the, the thing I really agree with is the talking is the I don't see one of the reasons I think divorce is tough on kids is because parents don't talk to their kids. Yeah. Um, not many do. And it just and, and I see it with my friends now. And again, I'm not judging them on that either. It's got to be really hard to deal with and have constantly fucking talk about. You got your own feelings of bullshit to deal with. Now you're going to talk to a kid about it. Oh, my God. Like, I can't even imagine. Um, and trying to get them to understand, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, kids feel things. Even if they don't see it, they feel your energy. They're much more in tune with that than we are as adults. Um, and, and just being open though, about like, what do you, you know, how are you feeling in the house these days? How are you feeling things are going? 
and being and just acknowledging their feelings. And it's okay to say, yeah, you and me and your dad are having, you know, we're, we're not getting along so much right. um, or whatever it might be. Um, but don't you worry, you know, that's something that adults have to deal with sometimes, you know, but continuing to be open with your kid because they are having an experience around that that also needs to be addressed, which I think is very much what you're saying amongst other things. Yeah, that clear dialogue and, you know, obviously age appropriate, but I mean, I hear a lot what you're saying, you know, I'm a dogma too. Uh, I stayed with my partner when I first got the dog, who I got first got the dog with probably an extra four months because I was scared to be a single dog mom. Mm. <laughs> so I, get it. Yeah. I mean, like, I totally, and that's my dog. Like, I mean, I can't imagine having kids. <laughs> I mean, I literally stayed for an extra, and we're good friends now, and I I don't know if I exactly told him that. Hopefully, he's not tuning in, but um, (laughs) I'm, like, nervous to take on the responsibility of dog as a single dog mom who worked a lot and had to figure it out. So, I get that a bit. And was there there a worry that your dog would miss him? No, not at all. For me, it was more like, how do I balance my crazy work schedule? And I got to find a dog daycare. And will my dog hate me for going to daycare and not, you know, because he worked from home more. And because I was going to let him see her, you know, so I wasn't really worried about that. It was all just like logistical stuff. And then also like, oh, my God, like what? I don't know. Like, it just seemed like a lot of responsibility to be the only one to make decisions about what if something goes wrong, I have to make a decision at a vet about a treatment or something Mm -hmm. like that. It felt like a lot of responsibility. And, um, but then, yeah, but then I, I left him and had a great life. And then, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, so I could teeny tiny, tiny get that, but sometimes it's so freaking obvious and maybe that's why I'm having such a strong reaction because it was so obvious in our household. I mean, my dad was abusive. He was, I mean, it was just, our household was a nightmare and, you know, I remember, go ahead, go Go for it. I was just going to say, can I ask how your brother, have you talked to the brother about it, how he remembers things or feels? Yeah. So he liked to avoid things and he got really busy in sports, which for a minute I did too, to just kind of ignore it. Um, He got, you know, he got put in the middle of a lot of it with my mom. Like he got a lot of the emotional, like my mom, what she wasn't getting from my dad, put a lot of that emotional neediness on my brother. Mm -hmm. So he felt like he had to hold a lot of that. So he had different kinds of pressure. Um, And he later told me he wanted them to get divorced, but really couldn't say it. So he just kind of avoided everything. I cannot avoid anything. Never since I was like five till now. I just, I have to discuss it. I have to talk about it. We have to work through it. So I am a different child. And I totally agree that different kids work through it differently. But um, I mean, I was like actively campaigning for this divorce to happen. I mean, at nine or 10 years old, I told my mom, my dad was cheating on her and I mean, I'm nine or 10, like I'm a baby. And I even told her what the woman's names were. And I knew the couple, a a few of the towns they lived in. Um, And I knew because I spied on my dad's phone calls with them because I wanted to bust them and have cold, hard facts. So she'd have to face and divorce him. For me, it was the beginning of my journalism career and want to be a journalist. But, um, My whole goal was like, if I get the facts, she can't deny it anymore and he'll be out of our lives and stop making our lives horrible. But she didn't. 
she quote stayed in it for the kids that's what she told all her friends i'd hear her tell her that all the time and a lot for the religious guilt bullshit she had and it wasn't bullshit to her to me it was bullshit and to save face with their family and friends she's later kind of admitted to who all knew my dad was a terrible person i mean they've seen him do terrible things in public so i can they can only imagine what he did behind the scenes but she tried to hide it and she was embarrassed by it so it destroyed me when she wouldn't get like after years of begging her probably since like seven or eight to nine or ten then trying to like collect facts to make her get this divorce to you know just getting older and still fighting and just wanting him out of the house i felt betrayed by her it also made me not respect her and then i started assigning a good amount of blame to her for the abuse my dad brought in the house because in a way it was her fault for allowing it to happen um because quote she wanted the family unit together um because she kept him there if he would have she would have divorced him we wouldn't have such a chaotic scary household we wouldn't be tiptoeing around his rage i wouldn't have been getting whipped around by him frankly like so I while I have some sympathy toward parents. There's also a whole lot of damage you can do. And while he was the easier one to be angry at because he was so obviously the bad guy. I mean, he was a drunk, a gambling addict, a compulsive liar, a cheat. He'd get physically violent. He was a sexual predator. An extreme to case. Men. Yeah, he was an extreme case. Like he, this guy got fired from sexual from too many jobs for sexual harassment. And so this guy, I mean, that's to me, in my experience, it was so obvious. And, and I just was screaming from the top of my lungs. And I'm sure there's a lot of other kids out there who have, were or adults who felt like that when they were kids. And the whole, while we stay together for the children is some ridiculously strong pull that, we as adults got to get over because it could be damaging them even more. It's interesting. Um, obviously, you're right. There's got to be other kids. You were one. I was one to a lesser degree. Um, so we just stand to reason there's got to be other kids, too. I think I continue to come back to just, again, talking about it. Um, maybe that's the gut check is it's like, you, you know, do you check in with your kids or do you check in with each other? Do you check in with your friends? You know, again, being non non mothers ourselves, it's a hard, hard conversation to have. Although that's not to say that we all don't have our own experiences because we, we have been children, as you're saying. Um, but checking in, I feel like, you know, how much better is it to, as a child, to be able to feel like you can talk about it. It's a great opportunity to figure out how to learn how to deal with your feelings, how to understand what's happening inside of you and what you're feeling and being able to learn how to talk about it and put it in not being afraid to put tough things out in the open. Um, what a, I mean, it's frankly, to me, a hugely great opportunity to learn that stuff that none of us do, that then our lives implode, our own lives implode in our 30s and 40s, and then we finally have to freaking learn these lessons. Mm -hmm. um, you know, give us all a break and help us do it earlier. I certainly wish my parents did. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, again, I look to my sister, she's, she's, you know, I'm a more confrontational person. She's the very opposite of that. Um, but even my little brother has his, has his own take. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I, I know it depends on the kids and I know it's a very tough and difficult situation. 
Um, and then you never know how your spouse or ex-spouse will react once things are divorced. And there, but there will always be pain. But don't think because you're staying, staying together that there's not already pain. Right. And pain just frankly needs to be addressed. So whatever capacity it is, understanding that pain, making sure you're checking in, not just with your kids, but with yourself um, of what it is and really trying to sort through it, I think is critical. Um, but unfortunately we just, you know, we don't get away from pain by doing, making either, there's no good choice making any decisions in life. There's always pain. Yeah. And I think it's not just talk to kids. I think it's listen to dang kids because I was seen so frustrated that everyone was talking at me, trying to justify or like, explain what was going on but no one actually listened like even when I would try to scream it no one would actually listen because it was like well that's not your problem that's your parents problem and they are a part of it and we need to listen to the kids and ask them how ask them how they're feeling but also give them you know the opportunity and the space to come to you and be willing to talk and hear hard things that they might say and that goes through a long relationship of trying to build that trust so they can come to you. But aunts, uncles, neighbors, mm-hmm. like, don't, you know, if a kid comes to you and says things are bad at my house, and so, don't just say, oh, well, that's adult things. You don't have to worry about it. You know, continue to ask them questions. Let them talk to you. Open, let them open up. Don't just write them off with this condescending, like, well, that's adult business because they need to talk about it. And maybe someone needs to hear how bad things are. Maybe kids, if more people listen to kids, abuse would stop. Or there'd be mm, that's of- a- that's an interesting point. And, and you're right. And, and I hope I, I, I agree when I say talk, I certainly mean listen more than talk if we're specifically. Um, it's more about communication is what I meant. But you're right. But it is about asking questions. I think that's exactly right. Um, and as you're talking about that, I feel like, you know, my um, without putting too much out there, and it's not to say everyone doesn't have a brother or sister if anyone's married that doesn't have someone, they've had problems at some point. Um, I know I've got uh, family members who are struggling and, and kids who, who I love dearly and who I know trust and love me. Um, and I've really neglected to take time and ask them how they're feeling, how they're doing. I don't know if they'll talk to me. That's not sure. I've done, done a little bit, but I was apprehensive. If I would be honest about yeah. you, I was apprehensive. It's a scary conversation to have. It's scary to to yeah. to think that you're going to hear something bad and painful and awful and not be able to do anything about it, frankly, or not yeah. being able to know what to say or saying something wrong. Um, I certainly can relate to that. But as you're saying that, that's not an excuse for me either. Um, so I'm certainly going to take okay. that away. You know, you make a great point. I'm very much talking this from the child's point of view because that's like, I mean, I can feel my inner child like jumping out of my stomach right now. But as an adult too, I mean, I've I've been there for a couple friends' kids to have, well, two, to have kind of some awkward conversations and just be there to listen. And it was extremely hard. And then I, I haven't always in a couple other instances where maybe I should have stepped in and asked questions. And even now I can think of, some of my friends, two teenagers that could probably use an ear or at least like an email or something Mm -hmm. to just say, I'm here and open it up if they want to come. Because it's really scary to do that. And we're not going to have answers, but we can listen and we can listen for, for, 
for, for warning signs too. And we can listen um, and share our experience and be vulnerable with them back. And maybe that'll help. We're never going to have answers, but maybe being vulnerable back with them can help them know that you can get through this. But yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I love, I love doling out advice. I'm like, you should do this. You should do that. Well, yeah. I'm also talking to myself because I have friends who have children who are going through some tough stuff with their parents or in their own personal lives that I'm not necessarily being that person to them that I wanted in my life. So that inspires me to kind of at least open an outlet and just, you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to fly there and, you know, bring them out to coffee right away, but I can send a text for or slowly kind of start the dialogue. Yeah. 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 I think that's right on. And it's, and it's interesting because we all come to the table with our own experiences. Yours, as you talked about, very strong. Mine is also very strong, but everyone is different. And so there, and so again, asking those questions, it's always interesting when you do so, the the worst that can happen is we'll learn something and we'll get a better idea of really how they're feeling. There is a chance they may not be saying it. They may not know. Some kids are going to be that extreme too. Like some kids will be all over the place. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and that's something we can't assume until we've truly asked those tough questions and not, and listened and just sat and listened. You know, they, we both own businesses and one of the things, I'm going to try to do later today, which is go and out and do interviews, which is talk to people, talk to audiences, consumers, whoever, and just let them tell their stories because that's when you really learn. Um, and instead of all of our assumptions and all of our opinions, and that's just how the human brain works. We create things, we solve problems, we categorize, we put things in nice boxes. That's how the mind works like a computer. Um, but we miss a lot, um, in doing so versus just listening and waiting for the entire picture to show itself and then, um, deciding what to do from there or getting our opinion at that point. So, and that's something Mr. Rogers has taught us because he yeah. does pause and listen when he is very present when he's with people. He sure does. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a great point. He absolutely does that. And it's funny because we've talked in the past how actually strange that feels when we watch the show sometimes, um, how slow he goes. And it's really enabling everyone else around him to step up into that space, to tell their stories, to be who they want to be versus um, following his lead or being you know, put in a certain spot because he's taken up so much space or whatever it may be. Um, he does a wonderful job of that. Um, yes, and something that I certainly can learn from. Uh, same here. Yes. All right. So, I talked yes. too much to now. Again, selfish Megan. Did I talk too much that we can't get into yours, or can we please? We've got we've got here? about three minutes left. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, making so, space for people. What a <laughs> jerk Megan is. Hey, I feel like, you know, hey, we're leaving space for you, though, Megan. Maybe you needed it. Maybe you needed to get that out. Maybe we needed to go through that to get to the point of being like, you know what? It is hard, and we all can follow our own advice better and leave more space and talk and listen more. I think it's all good, and I certainly don't mind listening to you. I thought that was great. Well, that's very kind, but as listeners know, if they've listened to any other show, I can kind of get riled up at a lot of <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very kind of you. 
Well, that said, we do just have a couple minutes left. Um, let's see. Maybe I will toss out something quick. Um, and maybe it's this. Um, so mine was about mistakes. There's a, there was a lot in it. Um, but one of the things maybe that I'll pull out here and talk about is... Um, uh, so we were in make-believe land, um, and anyway, everyone knows King Friday. He does a lot of talking. Watch an episode. The guy loves himself. And in this episode, they were he was doing a speech, and actually Lady Elaine was like, don't worry, because someone else is going to have to talk afterwards. You know, she's like, don't worry. The king won't even care what you say. He only cares what he himself says. That will be his favorite part of the day. Um, <laughs> and he loves to hear himself talk, so his own speech will be his favorite speech of the day. Um but anyway, it made me laugh. And then I sort of like went down a few a few routes. One, I was like, isn't that interesting? I was like, they really enable him to behave that way. Yeah. By not speaking up or by continuing to say, like, they respond to him in a certain way. They always say, like, right as usual, King Friday, they always say that. Like, as usual, like, so they're really feeding his ego. Um, so they enable him and, and really contribute to who he is and how he behaves. However, then I was like, well, if they don't care, if they're fine with it, then that's perfectly fine. Who am I to say they hate it as much as I would hate it? That's perfectly fine. The, the decision becomes is if you're finding yourself annoyed by it or irritated by it or feeling crap, make, feels you, make you feel worse or crappier in some way, then check, then check yourself and say, am I enabling this behavior? Am I contributing it? to it am i co-creating it actually in some way versus just bitching about this this person um before so again you know talking about it and maybe it's not you know going after him it's just saying here's what i'm noticing you always seem to you know want us to say things back and it we don't i don't want to say that or i you know this doesn't make me feel good when you say that maybe it's just simply asking him why he does it that's interesting because I always got annoyed that they're like, oh, King Friday is just like that, whatever. When I, he's like obviously being a jerk and rude. But yeah, for some people, that's just accepting him for who he is. Mm -hmm. But for others, you got to call that out and set boundaries sometimes. And that's it. So it's like, so I was like, well, for me, my advice to myself would be say something nicely ask him why he's that way because if he's been enabled by you in particular for years to behave that way then i should let him know this is no longer just so you know it's no longer okay with me and i just want to know why you behave that way i might be shocked in his response but like, oh i never knew that okay i'll stop you know or if it's someone else if they're okay with it and they really don't mind then who am i to create conflict when there isn't any why do i have a feeling we're gonna have a talk after this whole episode <laughs> you think I might, I might confront you on something is that what you're saying I'm open to it I'm so open to it you can I'm a person with many flaws and no I'm as am I to change <laughs> as am I and that was another great part of this episode is they talked a lot about being imperfect and liking people no matter who that they're imperfect and really being grateful for the people in your life who love you and support you and take care of you in whatever capacity um, even though you are not perfect and they are not perfect um, so I am not perfect either and I simply appreciate being imperfect with someone else who is imperfect and not judging one another because of it. And frankly, enjoying some of our imperfections because, well, let's be honest, they're slightly funny sometimes. Aw, I love you, Kim. <laughs>
Well, that said, we are out of time. Um, so it does end another week for us at Doing Mr. Rogers. Um, we thank everyone for joining us as always um, and certainly hope they've enjoyed themselves as much as we have. Uh, thank you, Megan, of course, for another fun conversation. Um, a, a good, heated, passionate one this time. <laughs> Tune in uh, next time to hear Megan only talk and uh, be full of herself. Yes, we're talking about something very mundane and we don't even care about it. will be very relaxed. Um, but then, then, of course, thank you, Mr. Rogers, for being himself and inspiring us um, in so many ways um, just by being himself. Um, so we do hope everyone is well and staying healthy out there these days, uh, not just physically, but uh, emotionally, too. That could be just as hard um, and in the spirit of that. We do wish to leave you with a quote from Mr. Rogers himself, and that is... You've made this day a special day by just your being you. There's no person in the whole world like you, and I like you just the way you are. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.